It is an absolute given. Uh, she is a legend. She is truly a trailblazer. None of those words, which at times are overused and become cliche, apply in a trivial way to Barbara Walters. She is legit in all those ways and so many more. Barbara Walters, Newsbreaks, Friday night. She's passed away at the age of 93. Bill Carter has joined us many times over the year. He is excellent on the radio. New York Times, New York Times reporter for 25-plus years. Excellent work on CNN, including what was an excellent documentary series, Story of Late Night, and also four books, including one of the best on late-night television ever, The Late Shift. And Bill Carter, you can follow Bill at WJ Carter on Twitter. Bill is now with us on the John Schuster Caldwell Backer Hotline. Always a pleasure, sir. She she had so many brilliant aspects of her career. But if I said to Bill Carter, peak Barbara Walters is, what do you say? Uh, uh, the most competitive person I ever met, I'd say. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, thanks for that introduction, and nice to be with you again. Uh, so Barbara was fiercely uh, determined person. Her drive was <clears throat> really extraordinary, and it had to be. I mean, you look at what she <laughs> had to put up with in the early days of television, and it seems almost like it couldn't possibly have been this bad for a woman, but it was that bad. I mean, it was, it was like when she was on the Today Show, initially on the Today Show, and began starting to get you know uh, some credibility – she could not ask a question on the air until her male co-host had asked three questions. That was I saw a that. rule. A guy, Bill, a guy named Frank I mean, McGee. I've never heard of Frank McGee, yeah. and, I, and I saw that. just shook my head. And, well, I, Frank McGee was a very well-respected TV journalist of his time. He was. And he, but he was like many of these guys, an egomaniac. And he, was, yeah. he didn't want this woman, you know, <laughs> elbowing her way in. And she, you know, was obviously a person who was formidable. So he wanted a way to keep her down. And that was that crazy rule tells you everything about what she had to overcome. So let's talk about when she makes the, the transition and she's hired at ABC. And she now is going to co-anchor yeah. the evening news with Harry Reasoner, who is also a heavyweight. Very recognizable. Yeah. Barbara is recognizable from the Today uh, from her work with the Today Show, she's going to get paid a million dollars a year. How that worked out for her and how Reasoner and others in the news industry were treating her at the time, this is in the mid-70s. It was really astonishing because it sounds a million dollars really today it probably goes to like you know a local anchor at a big market, not a network anchor. All of them make many multiple millions and have for years. But at the time, that figure was so big, and it was bigger than, like, Walter Cronkite was making, you know? So it got a huge amount of attention. And the whole idea of putting a woman as an anchor was enormous. It's an enormous story. So there was a ma massive amount of focus on her. And Reasoner wanted nothing to do with her and did everything he could to freeze her out, totally freeze her out, and basically try to say that, you know, she should be covering, like, you know, the cooking stories or things like that. Because and it, there was just that whole attitude toward – you're not, you're not a serious journalist if you're not a man at the time. And Walters, who was a very determined woman, also was rather an insecure woman in a lot of ways. And it really weighed on her. It really did weigh on her that she was being 
called the, you know, this lightweight and, you know, she couldn't do anything serious. And when they finally wound up, you know, breaking that up because it was literally hostile on the air. And Rune yeah, Arledge. I saw some of the footage. Of it, it's obvious it's hostile. Yeah. It's so, it's so, it was so hostile. He had to break yeah. it up. And Barbara thought her career was over. She thought, you know, you know, I, I failed at this. My career is over. But that's really what kicked her into a new gear because then she said, well, you know, I can do interviews. That's what I do. And I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to go after these big, big interviews and prove I can do them. And that's when she started to get all these big newsmakers and stars and things like that and really established that, that second half of her career. So let's talk about that second half of her career. And it became so much a part of her career with the interviews. Did did she automatically want to do that? Was she skeptical? Was it was did she feel like she was admitting failure? It would turn out to be anything but failure. Just these legendary interviews with Nixon, Sadat, and Begin, president after president, star after star. Yeah. But did she? When you mentioned her insecurity, did she have any hesitancy about moving away from what, at the time, what she had aspired to do? Yeah, I think so. But I also think she knew she was good at that. And and she observed that uh, the way television interviews were done in those days was extremely dry, you know, very, very dry. Yes. And she thought, OK, uh, I will I will have a more personal touch with this. Not, and not just with the stars. She did it with, you know, Carter famously, Jimmy Carter yeah. and many others where she would ask these questions that were a l- little more personal that, you know, and that tried to dig a little deeper and could be could be more revealing. Well, when I asked you about peak Barbara Walters, I was wondering if you might say this, because here's Richard Nixon who leaves um, about to be, you know, yeah, thrown out of office, yeah. he leaves yeah. on his own and he doesn't talk to anybody for years and years and years in America. But he finally sits down with Barbara and she was just brilliant in asking questions to Nixon and showing Nixon, speaking about insecurity, showing showing the country again who Dick Nixon really was. Yeah, and, and, that, and that was a perfect one for her because there's a guy who can't just hide behind, you know, his – uh, you know, PR people or, you know, I'm the president, you can't ask these things, but he's now a vulnerable character. He has something that she can probe, and she would find that and look for that. And definitely, you know, with a guy like Nixon, you you can peel, if you're skilled at it, you could peel him back, and you get mm-hmm. those layers of sort of grievance and resentment and and emotion there. And that was that was one of her skills. And obviously, she was criticized for that as well, because you know, a lot of people say, oh, for God's sake, she just is in, is in the business of making people cry. And she she hated when she'd hear that. She'd say that to me and she'd say, you know, I'm not trying to make them cry. If I ask a question, it gets emotional. But frankly, she really knew she could do that. And it was effective television. And you could always tell because if she scored somewhere where someone was getting emotional, the camera would zoom right in on the person and, and like they would exploit that. And I would sit with her. I did it because I did a big uh, cover story on the New York Times magazine about her. So I spent time with her preparing for interviews. And she sat in her incredibly palatial apartment in New York and with her staff. And she had these questions and she'd say, and she would look for one. She said, well, is that going to get him, you know, to really reveal, reveal himself? And, and she was looking for those moments, really, really searching for those moments, which would make the, 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 the interview different. 
And she would do it with anyone. She'd do it with Gaddafi, mm-hmm. for goodness sake. Yeah. You know, like, right. Really, right. you know, you know, despots. You know, she would she would do the same thing. And they seemed to react to her. And I always found it rather fascinating because Barbara was not like she, – she wasn't a woman who, when she walked in the room, everyone would look at her and things like that. It was just that she had a, a way of creating intimacy in an interview. And that was her great skill. The, Anthony Hopkins, who I interviewed for the piece, said to me, it was, it was like it's scarily intimate. Uh, I, I, I didn't expect it. I just, I just didn't think that would happen. And I'm talking to her, and I realize this is incredibly intimate, this conversation. I don't know how it got here. And that's sort of the way it worked with her. It didn't always work, obviously. There were people that would resist that and, mm-hmm. and wouldn't really reveal themselves. And that would frustrate her, very much frustrate her. But for the, for the people that really that, that it was effective with, it, it was a unique skill. And I think other women and other interviewers tried to do it, but forced it. And you can't force it. It has to just sort of happen organically, and she was very skilled at doing that. Bill Carter is with us. You can follow Bill on Twitter at WJ Carter. Uh, covered uh, has covered television shows and anchors for decades. Four books, including one I absolutely still love, The Late Chef, talking about Barbara Walters. Now, you mentioned in a tweet that because of what you just said, yes. covering her and then living in New York that you had a chance to get to know Barbara, maybe a little bit better than a lot of your other subjects. For folks who saw Barbara and knew Barbara Walters away from television, away from the view, whatever it might be, what would we have seen different Barbara Walters, the non-television person, from Barbara Walters on TV? Well, I've mentioned some of the insecurity. You would definitely see that. You would see that very self-conscious about things, self-conscious about her speech impediment, right? That yeah. she, she, you know, she had that R and, and W speech impediment. But the main thing that struck me when I finally sort of had, to, you know, six or eight times when I was like, you know, in, in, a, in her apartment with her staff or she would show me pictures of, of her career or whatever, she was very flirtatious. <laughs> I know this is amazing to think of, but like she and she that's one of the things she gets she has these messages from like fidel castro about you know oh that time we spent together she was just there was just something of the way she approached men that was a little old-fashioned you know she was pretty old-fashioned she was born not very long after my mother and and but she certainly was a different character she had she she had this flirtatious style you know, her father had been in sort of in show business and owned a famous nightclub. She'd been around stars her whole life. She had a, a way of communicating with them that made them feel like she was one of them, you know, and, and they were comfortable. And she, and she was able to exploit that. But, but it was really interesting because my wife noticed it. I, I did an event with her. I, I was on stage at the Times and interviewed her. And so we were in the green room, and my wife came, and I'm introducing my wife to her. And she says something like, you know, I'm really crazy about your husband. And my wife is laughing, thinking, "This, this is this is like your mother." <laughs> like, like but she just—that's that's sort of how she she handled it. And it's—I think that would be very surprising to people if they spent time with her. They they they'd see that side of her. Bill, I always enjoy the time. Thank you uh, so much for uh, coming on with us, and I can assure you, we'll reach out again. All right. Well, I enjoy it always. So call anytime. Bill Carter, again, give him a follow, at 
W.J. Carter. I'll uh, remind you how The View said goodbye to Barbara Walters because, again, I don't think that could be topped either. We'll get to that in a matter of minutes. Don't forget, early next hour, overrated, underrated, properly rated here on CCO.